0: What exactly are mammoths? When did they live? Uh, Why did they become extinct? And can they be cloned? Yeah, what about mammoths? This week on Creation Magazine Live. Get ready for faith-encouraging information starting right now. And for even more, visit creation.com. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name is Richard Fangrad and I'm Calvin Smith. Now, this week on Creation Magazine Live, our topic is what about mammoths? Mm-hmm. A lot of people have questions about these creatures uh, and and how they relate to the creation evolution debate. Questions like what exactly are mammoths, uh, where did they come from, when did they live, why did they become extinct, and, and can they be cloned? That's, that's, we'll right. get into that yeah. in, in a little while.
1: Yeah, Mammoths were evidently a variety of elephants, so mammoths belonged to the mammalian order Uh Mammoths from the genus Mammothus had the usual elephantine features of a trunk and tusks, and mammoths had a large shoulder hump, and a, and a sloping back, small ears and tail, uh, very complex teeth, and uh, a small trunk with the, uh, the distinctive tip with two finger-like uh, projections. they had huge spirally curved tusks up to 3.5 meters that 's about 11 and a half feet long. And uh, the spiral locks of kind of dark uh, covering of kind of a silky underfur, and some were huge. For example, the Colombian mammoth measured up to four plus meters, about 14 feet high. It's a big uh, animal at the shoulders. Of course, that 's about the same size as of the largest of the living elephants today,
0: right but the woolly mammoth was smaller, and there were dwarf mammoths as well, mm-hmm. only about 2 meters or about 6 feet tall. So where did they come from? Well, the answer to these kinds of questions about the past come from the word of the One who was there, mm-hmm. the Creator. That's a good place to start. He revealed in Genesis that He created land, animals and people on Day 6 of Creation Week. We read about that in Genesis 1:24 to 24-27. This passage teaches, That God made distinct kinds of animals which would breed after their kind. Yeah, well, let's talk about
1: these created kinds. That's the key, right? Each of these kinds could split into a number of varieties. Uh, when small populations containing a fraction of their original pre existing genetic information became isolated. So, copying errors, what are commonly called mutations, can reduce information which can produce other varieties as well. So, this is change, but it's not evolution in the particles to people uh, sense uh, because that requires
0: new genes with new ge- in genetic information. New information, right. Yeah now if two creatures can interbreed most understand that that for sure they belong to the same kind mm. but from there it gets a little bit trickier to define just just what are what are kinds it's hard to define mm. uh, there are, there are often problems matching the created kinds to the man-made classification systems for example often relying on shape and size and even though the system was founded by a Swedish creationist mm. biologist Carl Carl Linnaeus and from God's word we infer that reproduction defines kinds that's a big key right Yes, uh, as, as you
1: mentioned, uh, many scientists define a species as a group of individuals which can freely interbreed right. and produce fertile offspring. Thus, the biblical kinds would have originally been species, Originally, originally, but the kind is likely a much broader uh, than a modern day species today, because of the different modern varieties may have different fractions of the original gene pool. So the offspring from crossing different varieties may be sterile. Thus, each created kind May have been the um, the ancestor of several present-day species, but as right. long as two creatures can hybridize with true fertilization, the two creatures are the same kind. Also, if two creatures can hybridize with the
0: same third creature, then they're all members of the same kind. Right. Yeah. To illustrate the problems with the man-made system, sometimes members of different species and even higher groupings can produce fertile offspring. This means that they're really the same species that has several varieties, hence a a, a polytypic species. Mm -hmm. Uh, Applying this to elephants, and and mammoths, today's topic, the African elephant and the Asian elephant can mate and produce offspring, though usually short-lived. Thus, they belong to the same created kind originally, possibly even the same species, uh, even though the man-made system calls them a separate species and even a different genera.
1: Right. Now, mammoths are considered to be closer to Asian elephants than African elephants are. So, if the mammoth lived today, it could uh, very likely crossbreed with an Asian elephant. Therefore, the entire order uh, Proboscidea probably comprises
0: only one created kind. Right. Now, the Encyclopedia Britannica provides unwitting support for the <laughs> biblical framework. In, in a table of fossil placental mammals, the prosidians and, and, and all other orders are preceded by dotted lines <laughs> indicating no actual fossils of their alleged evolutionary ancestors. It says that the order Prombocidiae has evolved from unknown ancestors that were not much larger than pigs. <laughs> now. Of course, <laughs> if the ancestors were unknown, we can't know what size they were or even if they existed. Right. right. It's kind of <laughs> ridiculous. And what about the rise
1: and fall uh, of the mammoth? Right? What happened to them? Well, yeah. after their creation, God cursed the whole creation. We read that in Romans 8:20 20 to 22 when Adam sinned and about 1600 years later god sent a global flood to its ex- ex- extinguish man and all land uh, vertebrate uh, animals apart from the representatives of each kind that noah took on the ocean sized liner ark uh, we read that in genesis 6 to 8 and it's possible that noah took only one pair of
0: proboscideans on board okay however the elephant kind could already have split into varieties, or what we today call genera, much like the mammoths, mastodons, uh, African and Asian elephants. Mm-hmm. John Wood Morphe wrote a comprehensive book, Noah's Ark of Feasibility yeah. Study, and he's shown that the Ark was easily large enough to have taken pairs of each genus of land vertebrate animals and that would provide enough genetic variability to give rise to today's all of today's millions of varieties of animals right yeah and by the way, fully
1: grown elephants uh, considered to be um, full grown by age twenty five they, they weren't needed on the ark, rather right you know it, it would have been enough to take a, a few juveniles just old enough to breed uh, by the end of the flood um, which probably be about ages 8 to 9 for
0: females, or 11 to 12 for males. So, yeah, yeah, bring smaller know. ones, it's yeah. an easy solution. right? Now, the, the flood didn't leave too many fossils of large animals, probably because they tended to, to bloat and float and, yeah. and be destroyed by scavengers. Yep. Many fossils of large mammals that we do find were probably produced by local post-flood catastrophes. Mm-hmm and a particular type of catastrophe involved the mammoths, the Ice Age. Right. Yeah. There is strong evidence that uh, following the flood for a time, ice and snow covered much of
1: Canada and, and northern USA, northwestern Eurasia, Greenland, Antarctica, and evolutionists believe that there were many ice ages, but it's more likely that there were uh, kind of advanced retreat cycles within a single ice age. That's what creationists would believe. Yeah. Evolutionists find the cause of an ice age kind of a mystery. Obviously the climate would need to be colder, but a whole global cooling uh, system by itself, it, that wouldn't be enough because there wouldn't be enough evaporation, um, so less snow with less evaporation. So uh, it, uh, you know, how is it possible to have both a cold climate and and lots of evaporation? Yeah. Right? That's yeah. what you need for an ice age. Yeah,
0: cool continents and and warmer oceans for mm-hmm. more evaporation. Mm-hmm. Creationist meteorologist Michael Ord provo- uh, proposed that the ice age, uh, possibly referred to even in Job, a number mm-hmm. of places there in Job, was the outcome of the aftermath of Noah's Flood. That right. seems to make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. When the fountains of the great deep broke up, much hot water and lava would have, would have poured directly into the oceans. Mm-hmm. Of course this would have warmed the oceans, increasing evaporation for, for the years after the Flood, centuries after the Flood. Uh, At the same time, all the volcanic activity, volcanic ash in the air, would have blocked out much of the sunlight cooling down the land. Perfect.
1: We've experienced that. We were getting cloud cover in southern Ontario when Mount St. Helens blew up in 1980, Yes, and
0: other more recent volcanoes that do the same kind of
1: thing. Absolutely. So the flood uh, could have produced the necessary combination of lots of evaporation from the warmed oceans and cool continental climate from the volcanic ash sunblock, so to speak. So this would have resulted in increased over the continents, and with the snow
0: falling faster than it melted, ice sheets would have built up. Great explanatory right. power. Yep. Now, now this ice buildup would probably have lasted several centuries. Uh, eventually the seas gradually cool, so evaporation would decrease, and therefore the snow supply for the continents would also decrease, obviously. And as the ash is settled out of the atmosphere it would allow sunlight through, so your summers get warmer and the ice sheets uh, begin to melt back. Yep. Now sometimes the melting would have been rapid enough, likely, for rivers that drained these ice sheets to flood. The rivers would flood. And these catastrophes would likely have happened about 700 years, six, seven hundred years toward the end of the Ice Age after the flood. Right. Good explanation for the the Ice Age.
1: It is. Yeah. Well, let's get back to uh, mammoths. <laughs> yeah. In, in How does areas, this in the mammoths. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in, in areas worst affected by the Ice Age, natural selection would have eliminated creatures lacking genes for survival in the cold. It would favor creatures with with existing genes for long fur for insulation and small ears, uh, tails, and trunks, etc., to prevent heat
0: loss from you know large surface areas. Right. But again, this. Is this is not evolution, because it generates no new genetic information. More modern elephants never develop thick hair when exposed to below freezing temperatures right. at, at, at night for months, for example, simply because they lack genetic information for long shaggy hair. It's right. not there. Now we, we know about mammoths
1: because of their remains of course, however most, most mammoths have left no trace. There, there are fewer than 50 known uh, woolly mammoth carcasses, and only about uh, half a dozen which were complete. So, um, but an estimated 50,000
0: tusks have been found. OK, mm. yeah, and, and we know that man hunted mammoths right. extensively, and even recorded this in cave paintings mm. for example. Fierce predators like Smilodon, the, the famous uh, saber-toothed tiger, mm. uh, also took their toll of course. Now today we see that elephants can can breed quickly enough that the population could double four times per century. So if if mammoths were similar, the population of mammoths could easily have exceeded like a, a million in the centuries of the ice age. Right. Now, we find mammoth remains uh, frozen of course, and some have claimed that
1: the well-preserved frozen mammoths must have been snap frozen you know, to about right. a 100, minus 100 degrees Celsius or you know, a 100, minus you 150 degrees Fahrenheit. However, this is not so. Most frozen mammoths show signs of scavenging and decay, and many years uh, um, in the ice have actually caused the flesh to kind of dry out you know, like a, like a, like a steak left in the freezer yeah. you know, too long and, and kind of results in a
0: mummy-like Creature. Yeah, some some frozen mammoths have partially digested stomach contents, but mm. this doesn't prove or doesn't require a super cold snap and you know to freeze it solid that kind of thing. A mastodon, for example, was found with partially digested stomach contents in, in the midwestern USA mm. a, a number of years ago, where the ground wasn't even frozen. I mean, they they have summer in the states. Uh, it, it's possible that that uh, see an elephant's digestive system. Um, explains, kind of explains this, its stunning contents only get partially digested. It's the large stomach, is the, is mainly a storage area right. with only a little breakdown of the vegetation by by enzymes. Most digestion occurs in the huge cecum and the large intestine with the help of microbes fermenting the the, the food. Right. So you don't need to snap freeze it to, to right. preserve you it. Right. You don't need that explanation. Right. Now some evolutionists have suggested that
1: the uh, they they died suddenly by drowning or asphyxiation and falling burial in mudflows, caved in riverbanks collapse to gully walls, etc. Creationist Michael Ord suggests that the uh, flooding caused by ice melting at the, at the close of the Ice Age could have caused such local catastrophes, and a, 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 a quick drop in temperature,
0: but, but not a snap-freeze or, or anything like right. that. Yeah. Now, The location of the mammoths makes it unlikely that they were formed during Noah's flood. They're found in frozen muck, primarily, or, or wind-blown silt, in, in Alaska and Siberia, near the surface throughout the mid and high latitudes, mostly in river valleys and occasionally in, in ice wedges. Uh, they were likely killed and buried by gi- gi- gigantic gust, uh, dust storms. Mm-hmm. Uh, gigantic just storms, or, or the other way around. Um, it, it, it's often, well they're buried in ice. Well most of them are buried in muck. So yeah. despite these myths, the, most mammoths are, are they're, they're not encased in ice. Right. Um, now the zoological museum in St. Petersburg, Russia
1: holds some remarkably complete mammoth carcasses from Siberia, yeah. including the Adams or uh, Lena mammoth, now a, a skeleton 3 metres or 10 feet high at the scapula of the shoulder blade. Um, it also has the Berezovka mammoth, which was not fully grown at about 2.6 metres or just over 8 feet uh, tall at the shoulder, and the Tamir mammoth, a uh, 6-12 to 12 month old uh, Magadan mammoth ca- uh,
0: calf they nicknamed Dima. Right, because of the amazing preservation, one, uh, one of the questions we, we, we get is how, or, or the question is, could we clone a mammoth? Right. Big question. Well, there were high hopes with the mammoth found in Tamir that enough of its hereditary material, DNA, mm-hmm. could be found to clone a mammoth. Uh, the proposal was to extract the DNA from the nucleus of an intact cell and implant it into the egg cell, uh, stripped of its own nucleus, of an Asian elephant.
1: Right. Sounds good. High hopes, but uh, a New Scientist article bluntly stated, forget about cloning mammoths. <laughs> see, see, the DNA of this mammoth is so fragmented that the longest sequences uh, sequence has only about 100 base pairs, or letters, and New Scientist said, uh, but they are far from the billions of base pairs needed for cloning. It's like a two-year-old trying to put together a battleship from two billion pieces of metal," says um, Greenwood of the uh, American Museum of Natural History in New York. So uh, incidentally, the extreme instability of DNA is actually a huge problem for theories about the origin of life from a primordial soup. but we'll get into that another time.
0: It's also a huge problem for evolutionists, saying they've found soft tissue including <laughs> DNA in dinosaurs that are right. supposed to be tens of millions of years older right. than this. But, but that's a topic for another time, and we've yeah. done that already. And now, a clone would be a full mammoth, but another idea is to extract sperm and fertilize the egg of an Asian elephant and produce kind of a hybrid. But this also requires intact DNA, so it won't work either. It's too bad, really. It'd be neat to have a
1: mammoth again. Yeah, some people have asked uh, have any mammoths survived today, right? And there have been stories that mammoths were seen in the eastern Ural Mountains and Vladivostok in Russia as recently as 1918. And while these are not now verifiable, there's uh, conclusive video and photographic proof that some of the genes for characteristic mammoth features have survived in some of the elephants in Nepal. scientists say that there is no way to clone or bring back the mammoth, but some people are still
0: persisting in trying to make it happen. Yeah, it would be cool. But uh, over the past decade uh, or or two, there have been many reports uh, of various research teams claiming that they are going to resurrect some long-lost species. Which is a great great thing to think about. Uh, uh, True to form, one recent story tells about a joint Russian-Japanese effort to clone a mammoth from these frozen tissues that have been found. Uh, recently,
1: mitochondrial DNA has been obtained from the non-fossilized remains of mammoths and mastodons, allowing geneticists to speculate on the origins and evolution of the proboscideans. and currently the mammoth is seen as uh, more closely related to the Asian elephant than both of uh, those are to the African elephant. Thus, it may not be a surprise that some mammoth-like traits have been re- actually remained in isolated populations of Asian elephants. The
0: mastodon, with its very different teeth, is seen as a sister taxon to the elephantidia. All right. Now, many Darwinists consistently downplay the complexity of the cell. They also consistently play up their own results. (laughs) So, what about the goal of cloning a mammoth from frozen tissues? Mm. Well, as one of our geneticists, Dr. Robert Carter, said, "Fat chance." (laughs) Very scientific. (laughs) Very scientific, but it's not going to happen. The chances of obtaining a viable nucleus from a, a thousands of years old frozen remains. Is, is really far-fetched actually. Mm-hmm. It's too bad, but um, even under optimal laboratory storage conditions DNA breaks down over time. Yeah. Uh, it, just a few short years ago the idea of obtaining DNA from ancient specimens was seen as absurd. Right. Now it, it's happened, but uh, today we, we are able to get fragmented DNA from some of the best preserved specimens. Yeah, For example but, in, in the Neanderthal genome sequencing uh, project, right? Uh,
1: The the Chromosomes, each more than 50 million base pairs long, uh, they've kind of been broken up into fragments to about 50 base pairs long and less. But uh, how can someone expect to obtain a viable nucleus um, you know, with all its cellular components, including the DNA and the yeah. RNA and the proteins and the membranes in place and intact, you know, after so many years, it's, it's just not feasible. Scientists that are uh, biblical creationists believe that mammoths lived um, after as well as before Noah's flood, which happened about 4,500 years ago. Yet even that, it's
0: just too long ago to give them any really hope of obtaining a viable nucleus. Yeah. So, so they're going to have to do some significant engineering of the DNA, just just to make a a mammophant hybrid. Uh, The the, the recreation of a full-fledged furry giant is another matter altogether. So when and if they engineer a hairy elephant using what they learn uh, about what causes hairiness in in, in mammoths, uh, they'll probably be trumpeting how their understanding of evolution led to a recreation of the woolly mammoth. Hey, evolution did it again, type yeah. of thing. Now, probably none of their you know resurrection by cloning predictions will come true,
1: and and similar such claiming uh, cloning claims in the future will you know they're going to be inaccurate and not come to pass. But I mean, it would be really cool to have an engineered hairy elephant, you know, and that's
0: kind of possible. Maybe we'll see that at the local zoo. Yeah, that'll be neat. Uh, So what's the conclusion here? Although the media use mammoths as evolutionary propaganda quite a bit, they can properly be explained by a Biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. Mammoths are a variety of the elephant kind, created on day 6 of of Creation Week. The elephant kind was preserved from extinction by being brought on board uh, Noah's Ark. there's a few points about the history of that. interesting animal. And many of the the descendants of the ark animals, including the mammoths,
1: died in uh, catastrophes at the end of the ice age, some 4,000 years ago, and some of their frozen carcasses are preserved. But their genetic material isn't intact, and some mammoth genes have lived on in uh, Nepalese elephants, and it's interesting how this, you know, diminishing belief in creation and a trust in God's word has really uh, affected the culture in the Western world where you know Christianity once flourished, and we can see that in news reports yeah. like this. Uh, this Amusing news article, how
0: far it goes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, this news report was titled "NASA Bans the Word Jesus." Um, I'll just read por- portions of the article yeah. here. The name of Jesus is not welcome in the Johnson Space Center newsletter, according to a complaint filed on behalf of a group of Christians who work for NASA. The JSC Praise and Worship Club was directed by NASA attorneys to refrain from using the name Jesus in club announcements that appeared in a Space Center newsletter. It was shocking to all of us, and very frustrating, NASA engineer Sophia Smith told me. NASA has a long history of respecting religious speech. Why wouldn't they allow us to put the name Jesus in the announcement about our club? Liberty Institute, one of the nation's largest religious liberty law firms, threatened to file a federal lawsuit unless NASA apologizes and stops censoring the name Jesus. The JSC Today newsletter is distributed electronically and includes a number of space center events, from salsa dancing to uh, lessons to soccer camp. And NASA issued a statement late Monday that did not refute uh, Liberty Institute's charge. It said, NASA does not prohibit the use of any specific religious names in employee newsletters or other internal communications. The agency allows a host of employee-led civic, professional, religious and other organizations to meet on NASA property on employees' own time. Consistent with federal law, NASA attempts to balance employees' rights to freely exercise religious beliefs with its obligation to ensure there is no government endorsement of religion. We believe in an and encourage an open and diverse de- dialogue amongst our employees and across the agency. So here we see um, again that uh, you know religious liberties are are being affected. and
0: yeah, Despite that statement from NASA, despite that th- they're the still statement. not allowed to use the word Jesus. Exactly. Th- that's amazing. And in the space program, some of you might might be many of you might be aware of this mm-hmm. that that Scripture was read as the astronauts were on the moon. <laughs> that's right. It was Michael Collins or whoever was in that was was reading Scripture Genesis one one and reading exactly. Scripture from reading there, Genesis, reading Genesis. Yeah. And I remember watching the behind the scenes on The Right Stuff movie, remember that movie that was made about the, the, uh, the Mercury astronauts right. and so on? And in the behind the scenes they were interviewing some of the, the, the big players at NASA at the time mm-hmm. when that organization was being founded. And there was a character in the movie that was a, a scientist character who had a German accent. And apparently they were getting, inform- they were getting feedback that people thought, oh, they're trying to portray Werner von Braun, right. the famous creation scientist who believed in a, in a recent creation who invented rockets. Um, f- f- important to the founding of NASA. Yeah. And, uh, and the, interview, the, the person being interviewed from NASA yeah. uh, said that, no, that's, that's not von Braun. Because this was a bit of an obnoxious character there, and and he said it's not von Braun. One of the reasons that's not von Braun is because von Braun was never wrong. <laughs> wow! Yeah, so here's a here's a, a creation scientist that has such stature among the other engineers and and the very smart people at NASA right. and people looking up to him, a Bible believing scientist saying. Now, von Braun he was never, never wrong, wrong. And, and, it just, and now you can't use the word Jesus at NASA. Yeah, and it just speaks to the whole, you know, argument we hear
1: so often. Well, no real scientist
0: yes, believes
1: in, in in creation, or yeah. no real scientist believes in the Bible. You know, it's the the, the no true Scotsman fallacy, right? Yeah, uh, there's a good example.
0: You've been listening to the podcast version of Creation Magazine Live, produced by Creation Ministries International. With offices internationally and more scientists on staff than any Christian ministry, you can find loads of faith-supporting articles on our massive website, creation.com. Check it out.